0: Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yankees, Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers, Charlotte Knights, and I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening. Today, I'm going to be talking about Rutgers disposing of Wagner, 52-3, as Rutgers enters a crucial stretch of Big Ten games, and I'm also going to touch on the Yankees. Their season is over. Now what? All right, so let's go ahead and get started, and I'm going to start with Rutgers. So on Saturday, as expected, Rutgers beat a very, very inferior Wagner team. 52-3 to to move to 4-1 and on this season with a critical stretch of three back-to-back-to-back Big Ten games coming up. Obviously, Rutgers plays Big Ten games the rest of the season, but the next three are very, very critical. Now, this Wagner win, there wasn't much that you can properly assess. Rutgers was a 46-point favorite, and it's hard to say anything good or bad against a team like that. Now, obviously, if you played worse and you struggled in certain things, you could bring up some bad things. But Rutgers beat the team they were supposed to beat soundly by a big margin. So when we look at the game and we look at Wimsat, you could say, meh, you know, I don't know. He looked pretty good for parts of it. But again, you know, it's Wagner. He threw a couple deep passes that were not as accurate as they could have been. One of them, uh, we had to make a diving catch. Jackson made a beautiful, beautiful catch. But had he put it on him, he would have scored. As it was, it was still a 40-something yard pass. Um, There's not much else you can say about Wimsad. The offense, it's hard to say because, again, we just have better athletes than this Wagner team. So, you know, we sort of imposed our will at the line of scrimmage. Um, Defense, again, <clears throat> we got to their quarterback <clears throat> pretty well and pretty early. And there's not a lot you can say. Again, when you play teams like this, you're expected to get a big win. You got a big win. But if you see or read or hear from anyone any assessments based on this win, throw them out the window. Because, ah, oh, did you see how good we ran? Or did you see how good we passed? Or did you see how good our defense looked? None of that is true because you're, you're facing a very inferior team. And it's not quite like, a, you know, facing a high school team or something. But in essence, you know, we're playing a league down here. So <clears throat> the Rutgers at this stage of our development should be winning these games by these scores when we play these kind of opponents. And we did. So maybe a few things I'll say, and this is going to be a short overall podcast today, guys. Um, why aren't we targeting... Ian Strongmore. He is a freshman wide receiver that is by all means going to be our best receiver for years to come if we can keep him. And the reason I say that is we're not targeting him at all. I think we've thrown him maybe one pass per game, less than that probably. We played 5 games. I guarantee we have not thrown 5 balls his way. He had that beautiful touchdown catch in the first game. Uh, against Northwestern, where he dragged his toe in the back of the end zone. Kind of really got the game going there in a big spot. Um, he had a really good catch in this game along the sideline. He's tall. He looks His name is strong, but he looks strong. Um, he seems to have all of the skills that we need. He should be our number one receiver, even though Jaquan Jackson is uh, is pretty damn good we need to throw the ball more to Ian strong. And the reason I bring it up a little bit is because there is this thing in the lead now called the, you know, transfer portal. And nowadays college players have a lot of sway. And if they're not happy, they can go to another school. Right? So obviously there's nothing to indicate that Ian strong isn't happy at Rutgers or anything like that. But a, I think he's probably our best receiver and we're not throwing to him much at all. B if by some chance we continue not throwing to him and he thinks he's good and he is good, you know, if something could go through his mind. Why don't I go to another team that will actually use me a little more? So I don't want it to happen at all. I really am confident in this kid and I see something in him. I don't know if you guys do, but I'm telling you, uh, Ian Strong, this receiver, he's a freshman. He has good hands. He has excellent ups. He can really jump. He looks strong, you know, and again, no pun intended. Ian Strong looks strong. He does. Um, And I think it's something that Rutgers has to make a conscious effort to do, and that is to get him the ball more, because I really think we're missing an opportunity. Certainly, we have some improved receiver play this year compared to last year, which is not saying much at all, because our receivers were nothing last year. Um, We also didn't really have good quarterback play. This year, with Wimsatt, again, you can't really talk about Wagner too much, but in the other games... Wimsat's quarterback play is improved, but again, you, he was starting at such a low level. Coming from last year, saying someone's improved over that level doesn't really say much at all. He had a 45 46% completion percentage last year. Can you imagine a quarterback with a 45%? It's really bad. He was missing short throws, throwing behind people. Now, he hasn't suddenly found his accuracy this year, although we're reading and hearing about that from some of the announcers and some of the writers. To the eye, you know, the eye test when you're in the stadium or watching on TV, it's somewhat improved, but not nearly what, you know, they're depicting it to be. What I do see is so far, you know, the turnovers have been limited to basically zero. The one turnover he had this year was that interception in Michigan with that awful, ridiculous call of Shianos to go for it on 4th and 2 when he could have made it 17-10, heading into the fourth quarter at Michigan, decided to try a stupid screenplay. In any case, he's had one turnover the entire season, no fumbles, which is a massive improvement. So if he keeps doing that, you know, maybe Rutgers will have a chance. But we're not going to win many Big Ten games going forward if we don't have a quarterback who is not accurate. We have an accurate one coming in next year in, in A.J. Serrace but he's not here and he's not proven yet. So we got to see what WIMSAT can do heading into a crucial, crucial stretch of games for, for Rutgers. So let's talk about that now. Rutgers is 4 and 1, which is a great start. The only loss in Michigan, and the score was the game was closer than the score. It was going to be 17 10 heading into the fourth quarter, but, you know, Shadow made a dick decision. Um, the, there's three games now starting next week, back to back to back, that will determine basically if Rutgers can get a bowl this year. We need six wins to get a bowl. We have four now, so we've got to find two more wins the rest of the season. Sounds easy, right? It's not. Um, our best chances in the next three games, right? so coming up, we have we're at Wisconsin next weekend, which is very tough but not impossible. The Big Ten West is not particularly good. Wisconsin is good, but not great um they're not a a really really great team like they are some years this year <clears throat> they're beatable, but I would say it's unlikely we're going to get a win next week. We'll see. Uh, I am not saying it's impossible. We are good enough, and Wisconsin is just off their game enough that it is possible. We will be a fair enough underdog going in there, probably 10 points or something, maybe more. But it's possible to win that game. Maybe we'll be a 14-point underdog. I don't know. But Wisconsin is not a definite loss, but it is possible. After that, we have Michigan State at home on October 14th. That is Rutgers' homecoming, and that is a game we have to win. We have to win this game. Michigan State has fallen this year. Their coach is gone after that awful schedule, um, slanderous um, suspension, and now firing from their head coach. So they don't have a head coach. When that happens in the middle of the season, the transfer portal reopens for everyone on the team, so people on their team can now, between now and two weeks from now, transfer away from Michigan State if they want to. Um, So that's possible that their team could get even worse. Um, In any case, that is a game that we have to win. Um, We may be favored in that. It may be close. Michigan State at home, homecoming, October 14th. And then the week after that, we play at Indiana. And that is another winnable game for Rutgers. Indiana actually just fired their offensive coordinator on Sunday. That's today, the day I'm recording this. So perhaps our offense might be improved a little bit, but Indiana is kind of a dumpster fire at this point. Still, again, this is Rutgers, and we could lose to any team at any time. We are not there yet with, you know, a team that's just good enough to go and beat bad teams in the Big Ten. The Big Ten, you know, their floor is very high. Even the worst teams, you know, we can struggle with, and we do. So the next three games, folks, at Wisconsin, Tough, but not impossible. Home against Michigan State, we have to have that win. The spread might be a push on that. We have to win that game. At Indiana, again, the same thing. Spread might be a push. We have to win that game. So out of those three, we got to take two. That would get us to six wins. And I say that because after that Indiana game, I don't see us winning another game. And it's unfortunate in a lot of ways. Rucker's schedule is always backloaded. We always have the toughest fucking teams the last month, month and a half of the season. So no matter how we're doing, it always puts a bad taste in our mouth in the off season because we constantly have very tough teams at the end. So in this case, after those three games, we have four more. And I don't think we've got a win in us in, in those last four games. We're home against Ohio State, so that's a loss. We're at Iowa, which isn't a definite loss, but we're not going to beat Iowa it's possible, but no. At Penn State, that's a loss. And then home against Maryland, and that's going to be a loss. Maryland, in other years, might be beatable, but lately they've whipped our ass, and this year they're particularly good. They have a very, very good team. They may be ranked this week. They may be ranked by the time we get to them. Maryland is very good. So Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Maryland, We're probably going to win zero of those games. I think we're going to go 0-4, and and that sucks balls in a lot of ways. A, if we need one more win to actually get a a bowl game. But even if we get two out of three in the next three games, it's going to suck because we're probably going to be on a four-game losing streak to end the season. And that just puts a sour taste in everyone's mouth, and it makes it really hard. You know, it, it really shades the season. You think of the good start. You think of the tough games we played. And again, we're not into that much of the season yet. So the critical stretch is going to be the next three weeks. We can reassess how the season really is. But to me, the next three games are the the season. This is it, guys. The next three weeks is the Rucker season. We did what we needed to do in the first five games of the year. We went four and one here. We had to do that. We beat some teams that were beatable. We did everything. We're going to lose the last four there's a slight chance we could win one of them, but please, guys, it's not going to happen, right? It's these middle three that could go either way. Really, two of them, but still, this is the season, right? But it's going to put such a damper on on me when when we lose those last four games, which is likely to happen. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is, and it's just the way that Rucker schedule gets fucking meted out every single year. And I don't know if anything's going to change once we have. Uh, Next year, right, with USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon coming into the Big Ten, we're going to see if the schedule changes in any significant way, if they load up something differently in the beginning or the end. Even if we play some of the tough teams and they're Pac-10 teams, this that to be a little different starting next year. I'm just so tired of playing, you know, Penn State at the end of every year, and, and, you know, we're playing Ohio State sometimes toward the end, Michigan. It's usually backloaded with very tough teams, and it is again this year. Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Maryland are the last four games. So good luck, Rutgers, with that. Um, Anyway, um, for Rutgers, that's it. We got to get to the next three. Um, It is exciting at this point. You know, we're certainly improved. At the very least, we seem like a better team than last year, almost no matter what happens. Now, if we lose every single game the rest of the year, we're going to have to come back to reassess that. But at this point, Let's see if we can get two out of the next three and actually go bowling legitimately this year because that would put us at a minimum six and six, right? We go two and three and two out of three in the next three games, the worst we can possibly finish would be six and six. So that's not so bad, and that shows some some improvement. And that's it. That's all I have for Rutgers. I'm going to talk briefly, very briefly about the Yankees now and the Yankees, moving on to them. The Rutgers season is, is so exciting and it's fo- it has allowed me to just not <laughs> not focus on the Yankees which has been a nice relief because you know when you know how it is in summer right you there's nothing there but uh but baseball right so you, your team is good great your team is bad oh there's nothing else to watch October that we're getting into now is generally the absolute best month of the year right so usually you got you know, Yankees in the playoffs, you got the Giants in the middle of the season, you got Rutgers football playing, the Rangers start. For me, it's the most exciting month of the year for sports is October, right? The least exciting month for me is generally July and August because they're nothing but baseball, nothing. And if the Yanks suck like they do this year or like they did last year, last half of year, last year they suck balls, it, there's nothing. It's like you, you're watching one team and they suck. And that's how it was for the Yanks this year. So I'm really glad to have the Rutgers' distraction. The Giants, there was a lot of hope. We're going to see how they do. Tomorrow night, they actually uh, play Seattle at home, see if they can go 2-2. Two and two. But, uh, you know, I was hoping for more. But there's a lot of distractions in October. So I don't have to pay attention much to the Yankees, which I'm going to talk about briefly now. So the Yankee 2023 season is over. The Yanks lost today on Sunday at their last game of the year and finished 82-80. and 80. And so, no, they were not under 500. And I got to say, you never root for the teams that you like to lose. But what I was rooting for was some result for the Yankees this year that would encourage Hal Steinbrenner to make real change in management. But that's not going to happen, right? If the Yanks lost five or ten more games, right, and they finished under 500 and it was embarrassing That would almost force Hal to say, okay, you know what? We got to get this fucking Cashman out of here, right? Maybe we got to get fucking Boone, his mealy mouth, you know, excuses for everyone out of this fucking place. But no, they finished 82 and 80, and in my mind, that means nothing is going to fucking change. Nothing. You know, Hal, with his big speech, we're going to analyze everything, we're going to do this. Cashman, we're going to look at everything, we're going to reanalyze this shit. No. You know, Having an analytic team come in to analyze your analytic team is like the most meta thing I've ever heard in my fucking life, because that's what they're doing. They announced that they're bringing in a team to analyze the analytics team. So what are they going to do next year? Bring in a team to analyze the team that analyzed the analytics team? I mean, maybe you just stop using it most of the time at this point, because the fucking analytics team is a fucking disaster for the Yankees. And this team is composed like dog shit. It's composed of dog shit. They finished eighty-two and eighty, but I'm telling you, if you're a Yankee fan, it felt way, way worse. And, and a lot of those wins came in the last month. Quite honestly, when no one cares, n- barely anyone showed up or watched. They announced forty fucking thousand people at the Yankee the last Yankee home game. There was like five thousand people in the stands. Nobody watched. Nobody cared. Nobody came to the games. No, they were playing teams that were out of contention, and they had one of the better records in the last month of the year to bring their record to 82 and 80, right? So they're like 23 and 10 over the last 33 or some shit like that. Again, this team finished 82 and 80, but it felt, and in reality, it was way, way, way worse. And it's a tough, tough thing. Now, last week, I gave a more detailed explanation of what I think is the problem. And I'm not going to go through it all again here. But just to recap the highlights, I mentioned there's no left-handed hitters on this team. That has to be fixed. The Yanks are way too fucking old. There's so many old people on this team. All their old people are, are, are you know, the big DJ is going to be 36, Judge 32, Cole 33, Stanton 34, Radon's turned. I'm not going to go through it all, right? Awful cashman contracts they're bound by. The team cannot hit, as we all know. I've gone through that in great detail last week. Injuries, again, all fucking year for the for the Yankees. The Yanks are so ridiculously unathletic. The farm system has been dredged by terrible cashman trades year after year after year. So there's not even a good farm system. And our relief pitching has looked like dog shit, despite everybody saying how good we are. Those are some of the problems that the Yanks have. So there's a lot to fucking fix. So for them to go on and whine about, you know, we're going to look at changing the analytics. Well, you better fucking rip it out and start from scratch. Because whatever these fucking geeks are telling you, it is dog shit at this point, right? And worse than that, now Judge wants to talk to management. I mean, okay then. I mean, how many teams has Judge built? Um, how many championships has Judge won? Where he's going to go in and, and say what needs to be done? He's already standing up for Boone left and right. That will that tells you one thing right away. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Boone is a goddamn disaster, and I I, I say this every other fucking podcast. It's so tiring. It's so fucking tiring. keep reading about how much the players love. Of course, the players fucking love him because they don't respect him. They can do whatever the fuck they want. And Boone is not going to say shit to them. Torres dogs it and doesn't run shit out. Nothing, right? People are lazy. People turn their back on the pitching coach. Fucking Rodon. Nothing. They do not respect Boone. They want Boone back because it's like fucking a playground out there. People are not responsible for anything. There's no punishment for bad play. Stanton gets to bat four for six months out of the fucking year when he's not even batting two hundred. What the fuck kind of manager bats someone fourth who can't even hit 200? You know, Rizzo, after his concussion, could not hit the ball if it was a fucking beach ball. He was batting third three months in a row after that. Oh, let's just keep him at third and keep standing fourth. Like, the manager is awful. Boone is a fucking disaster. And I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to hear that because Cashman put together a dog shit team, that suddenly it's not Boone's fault it's both. Again, for the very last time, it's not mutually exclusive. Because you have a shitty team out there does not necessarily mean the manager is good. It just means that you have a shitty team and Boone has no idea how to maximize the fucking talent that's out there. And whatever kind of analytics horseshit shit they're going to pull this offseason season. I detailed it all last week. I'm not going to go through it, but I will reaffirm this. If Cashman and Boone are back in 2024, and there's every chance they're going to be, there's going to be no championship for the Yankees or even a deep run in 2024. And that's it. And you've heard it here. Today is October 1st, 2023. You can play this back at the end of next year. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if Cashman or Boone are back, I don't care if the whole fucking world changes. Don't mind every person on the Yanks. The Yanks are not winning a fucking championship. And that's what this is about. Winning a goddamn championship, right? This is not about improving the team, making the playoffs, you know, making a little run, maybe win a round. It isn't fucking about that. It's about getting to the World Series and winning a goddamn World Series. And I'm so tired of people just losing focus of what the Yankees should be doing and what the Yankee goals need to be. It's so fucking tiring, you know, because little by little, they get worn down, right? And as fans, you get to accept, well, our team isn't good enough to do this, so maybe they're good enough to do that. You know, and it's it's the same thing for Hal Steinbrenner, who does not have half the fucking drive that George did. I was not the biggest fan of George Steinbrenner, but no one could contest his will to win. No one could say he didn't want to fucking win at all costs. He would pay anything you want. Fire anyone you want, even when it was the wrong move. He did not settle for losing, and he did not fucking settle for mediocrity. And House Steinbrenner, fucking settle for mediocrity, right? God forbid you go over the luxury tax, right? God forbid you have to fire someone that you like. It's not about fucking liking people. It's not about the players liking their fucking manager. It's about them respecting him, the manager, fearing him, and actually being able to improve once you make mistakes, instead of having your manager stand up at the press conference after a game and say, well, you know, maybe it wasn't a good look, you know, that Stanton fucking got thrown out by 90 feet at the fucking home plate because he didn't run, ran like a, oh my God, I'm so tired of it. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if Cashman and Boone are back in 2024, we are done. You can just throw every other thing out the fucking window. If those two are back, we are not winning. We are not winning if Cashman and Boone are back. Nothing else fucking matters. I'm telling you, it's all going to come to fruition again right now. I'm telling you, there is zero chance, by the way, that Cashman's going to get fired. So you can write that down now. There's almost no chance that Boone will either especially when, you know, now we got Judge walking in. What the fuck does Judge know, by the way, about winning anything? He's going to go in and and advocate for Boone, advocate that they changed analytics a little bit and that they don't stress this part of analytics, but the other part. What they should be advocating for is letting people who know baseball judge who should be on this team and not letting analytics fucking judge dick around here because I've had it. In any case, the Yankees 2023 season is over, and I'm fucking over with the Yankees. I'm telling you right now. So, you know, we're going to have to see, you know, what we're going to have. Well, I'll probably talk more about it once we get into, you know, hot stove baseball, you know, after the World Series is over and what trades we can get and what free agents we can get. And there's any chance we can land some of the big people again. Between the competition and Hal's reluctance to overspend, and the fact that he's going to bring Cashman and Boone back, I'm telling you now, it's unfortunate. But 2024 is not going to be any kind of season that the Yanks can hang their hats on. So that's it. That's all I got for you today. I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe, like, and go ahead and tell your friends about it. Will you? I'm trying to grow this podcast, guys. If if you can, you know, talk to anyone. You have any friends that are sports fans and and want to hear uh, somebody yell when they don't like what's happening with their teams or get very excited when they have big wins, tell your friends about Jersey Guy Sports. That's all I have for you today. Thanks. Have a good day.